Well, I was, I came to Neeson when I was four, four, four years old, when I came to Neeson. Um, went to Waincroft School, um, junior school, and left from there and went to John Kelly School. So I spent most of my young days in Brent growing up. And Brent was a different place that was very, very quiet. It was like the Beverly Hills of Brent. Yeah, it was different from Cricklewood, Wilston, uh, Chalk Hill. It was hard. It was just like, the boys who lived up there, they, they used to say that, yeah, those are those pretty boys. They don't get themselves in trouble. But you couldn't come up there and mess around anyway. But we had a good time up there, all the families in these, and we knew them individually. We could go to their houses and eat food. We could stay there. So it was a small community in, in Brent. But we, when I was there, you could play football all day on the road because no cars were there. I'm going back a little while now. The North Circular Road, you could walk across that with your eyes closed because there was no cars. And if there was a car, it was going more than 30 miles an hour because it couldn't. Yeah, so growing up in Brent, that was a very good thing for me. I love that. I'm glad that my father and my, my mum moved to Brent because that's the best place for me to grow up in Brent. And I, I, I live in Northampton now, but I still come to Brent every weekend, every Monday to Thursday, and go back to Northampton. But it is a place, and I love it, and this is where I grew up. But as I'm getting older now, I want to travel down a bit more quieter place, but Brent is my place. But believe it or not, when I was, I think I was about five, six, I was listening to the top of the pops, I'm not even joking. Like, Ready Steady Go, was it? I think it was Ready Steady Go. I was listening to all those songs. I remember these little boys take my dad's belt and put the broomstick through the belt and put it around my neck and tighten the other end. And when Top of the Pops come on or Ready Steady Go, I'll be there playing my guitar, not knowing that further time down in life, I'll end up playing a guitar. But, and what my dad used to play was my boy and lollipop, a lot of scar and blue beat. That's what we grew up in the house with. Vinyl, 45. Um, disco, for, disco wasn't around, just 45s. There was a record shop on the hill, just in Kensal Rise, near the train station. And every Friday and Saturday, you couldn't even get into the record shop. You actually stand outside and order your record when you heard from inside. You put your hand up, and the, and the guy behind the counter would know it's yours. And on the, on the counter, all you see different sizes of records going all the way along, but you knew where your stack was. That's how records used to sell back in the days. Well, we're in a soldier club called Kingfishers in Neeson. That's just on Crest Road, just across the road from us. It was actually in the school. Um, uh, when I first went there, the Kingfishers was actually in the, in the hall inside the church. Then they moved it into the canteen, and there was a, a white Jamaican, his name was Mr. Spurry. And I'll never forget the day first time I met him. Then, he, well, as we've grown up in Neeson, there's quite a few families there, and then actually he built the Kingfishers for the knees and guys, for the knees and kids in Kingfish, he said, this is your club. I'm building this Kingfish for you guys so you won't get yourself in trouble. And if we stood outside for more than 10 minutes when the club was finished, he'd come and say, why are you congregating outside here? Go home to your mothers now, or I'm gonna go around and tell them, and we, just, we were off. So Kingfish was actually built for the knees and people who grew up in knees Well, while I was going John Kelly, it was about 14, well, yeah, when I left primary school, 11 years old. And we had a, you know, you, you had science, you had woodwork and stuff like that. So I actually started to make a guitar. And actually built my first bass guitar in school. Got the strings, got the pickup. And that's when I started. So I realized I wanted to play bass. So that's when I started in the, in the school. And then when I left school now, that's when I actually got into the music. My, my, my first look and, and to hear the reggae music went, other than my boy Ronnie Puck, that, that, that stopped there. But then I had a couple of Burton's in Cricklewood. And the first day I went to Burton's, I think I can show you the scars that I got for that, for the belt. 
actually sneaked out of my house to go to Slug Burton's. And when I went inside there, we caught them my friends. All of us snuck out, you know, snuck out of our house. And I went in there and I was, and I was standing up in the corner. And I, I just, I was just taken back. I said to myself, I did not know, you might take this funny, I did not know that black men could sing that kind of love rock songs. I, I, I didn't know it, and it was reggae, and I said, who are these guys who are singing these songs? So that's what made me keep going back. And every time I went back, I was getting a beat for it. And being in the club, I used to keep, when we was walking home, if I heard a song, I'd, I'd, I'd be singing it all the way home until I learned that song. Plus on the Sunday, you had Steve Barnard. He was the main DJ. You know, I think he was on for about two hours, I think. And we, you know, you hear the same songs that you hear in the club, Steve Barnard would play the same songs. And I remember I turned to my friend one day and I said, you know what, uh, Roy, one day I want to be able to sing just like those guys did, not knowing that that was my intention because I was a bass player at the time. But I wanted to make songs that I could stand up and watch girls and guys singing along to my songs and that's all I wanted to do, you know? No, 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 but in those days it was a lot of shuffling. Not my friends were shuffling, but I was not a shuffler. I was a dancer. I used to like dancing with the girls to those love songs because that's what it was. You didn't have to actually, you didn't want to even know her name. You didn't want to take her home. You didn't, you, all you wanted to do was, you didn't want to go out with it. You just wanted to dance on that night. And it would happen that, you know, if she could dance and you could dance, you could guarantee if you went back to that club and she saw you, nobody could dance to that girl again. She'd wait for you to ask her for that dance because you had that connection with that song and you just need to, you know, you group together that song. That's what it was like in those days. Cut our trousers and bed shirts. And when I actually started the music, I was 15 years old because I was back in junior English playing bass. And that was me and Rizzy Ford from Aswad, John Fago, um, growing up from the Mohawks and everyone. So we was back in man for about a year and a half. So we was on tour with Junior. This is before Lovers Rock even started. Lovers Rock wasn't around then. You had the Doug Rocks, you had uh, Miss Dean Roots. And those were the guys who were, uh, as far as I'm saying, were the backbone of, of a lot of the art of English artists. And to me, they were still, they're not mentioned like how they should be mentioned to this day, but they were the ones who, as far as I'm saying, who started the whole of this thing in London, to me personally. As, as we were rehearsing, me and Brindsay, after the group broke up, um, George Oban, he, he was one actually found the group as well. He was my cousin. He came back from Jamaica because he left us to carry on. And he wanted to form the group, um, wanted me to play bass. But when I went down there, by this time, I'd listened to Dennis Brown and things like that. But before that, if I can go back, um, while me and Brindsay was rehearsing, Delroy Washington actually brought us down to Bob Marley's house down in Neeson. So we was around there a lot of the times. Um, actually, Bob used to come down and play with us. Um, I got a lot of um, lessons from Family Man, the bass player. And then when George came back, he wanted to form the group again. I said, George, look, I want to go and do a different thing. I want to you know, create a different kind of style, love, love his music or something. I said, George said, okay. So he continued with Aswad. Then about three weeks after that, speaking to George, I met up on uh, Paul Thompson. We actually went to school together. And he said, Paul, we've got a group just forming a new group. So I said, well, I'll come down and have a look. So I came down there. And there were some more of my colleagues inside of Christopher Henry, Tony, who I knew from a long time. But I couldn't go in there and play bass because Christopher was playing bass already. So they said, Paul, if you want to join the band, you can join the band as a percussionist. So I went, percussionist. I said, all right then. But while they were, while they were playing, I just started to sing. I said, Paul, we didn't know you could sing. And I said, nor did I. But singing along to a lot of the Dennis Brown and the artists, I, I, I was training myself by not realizing that's what I was doing. 
And it's important, you might as well join one of the singers and it, it, just took, it just took off from there. But because I was a bass player, a lot of the bass lines, what you hear tradition have, like everything in my heart, breezing, gambling, man, most of, most of the bass lines, they're my bass lines. So I would play them and give to Chris and Chrissy, play these lines and we would write those songs off of those, off of those bass lines. Because you know, you have those things within groups. Because I was, they, they used to call me the troublemaker. Because I wouldn't put up with certain things. Like if I saw something was wrong, I would speak up. And being, a bit, being in the business long be, before them, I could see certain things weren't right. And every time I'd stand up and say something, I'd say, poor D, it's going to poor D, you're always making trouble. And I said, listen, if we're doing that, we're going to get paid for that. Why are we doing that and not getting paid? Oh, poor D, don't worry, get paid. I said, okay. And it went on and on and on. So one day I just decided, you know what, I'm going to leave the group. And I said, poor D, what are you going to do? I said, don't worry, if you throw me up, I'm going to land right on the top of my toes. No, no, I, I know what I'm going to do. So when I left the group, the, that same week, we were going to go on tour. And I remember that morning, they come and knock my door, and they thought I was joking. And they knocked the door, and I said, I said, Paul, you can't. I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. I said, Paul, you, you're not coming. I said, no, I've left the group. They could not believe it. They were all saying, Paul, you've got to come. I said, I'm not going. I'm going to do my own thing. Make, I'm going to fight my own name. So they left. And then I start to do my own stuff. And I said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and create my own name. Because to get your own name away from a group is very hard. Because when I used to go on stage, and they said, oh, Paul Dawkins coming. And people start to look at me like, who's he? Start to sing my songs now. They realize, oh, you're the guy who sings those songs. So it took me about 10 to 15 years to get my name as Paul Dawkins. And you want to say Peter Huntingale or Michael Gordon. Or... So I've, I've, I've done it for myself. Mostly artists got awards and tradition. Cash Brown actually didn't put tradition on, on that award. And I said to Cash no, you can't do that. Because tradition has been around for so long that Cash you need to give them an award as well. And he said, Paul, I haven't got no award, but then he phoned me a couple days and said, Paul, I've got an award for tradition. So I phoned the guy and said, listen, you need to come because he's going to get on an award as well. You know, because I'm still in tradition to this day. We're still doing stuff together, still, you know, doing shows, recording. But at the same time, I still got my solo career doing as well. Because back in the days, there weren't some genres around, it was like soul, jazz, and reggae. There was no hip hop, there was no garage, there was, there was none of that. And as I was saying to Leroy, um, when you think about reggae today, a lot, of the, a lot of the Jamaican artists, and a lot of us as well, a lot of those songs that you hear out there, as long as rock songs, they are, a lot of them are originally American songs, what they took and done over. But you would never have known that, because they've done it so well. It's only a few you hear, like Curtis Mayfield, and there's quite a few of them where we've covered their songs, and that's what made a lot of us. I don't care what anybody wants to say. Along with their voices, yes, you have to have the voices, but a lot of those songs made a lot of the Jamaican artists and English artists as well. My personal opinion, being in the business so long, I'm just coming up like this. When you build a house, you build the foundation first. And if that foundation isn't right, you can't put anything, hello, one, two, you can't put anything on that foundation to take it up. And what I'm seeing happening is here, they're, they're, it's getting out there where people are looking just at the house. But this is this expression, they're looking at the house, but not looking at the foundation where it's coming from. So those windows look nice, the roof look nice. So those people who are talking about that, they weren't there when the foundation was being built. And I think that what they should do is, is go to the people like me, Leroy, Winston Reedy, um, the Dad Rocks, the Cimarons, and those people, and get their stories as well. You can't tell half the story. It, it, it just doesn't add up. Two and two don't make four. It doesn't add up. You're leaving all the people behind who actually are the foundation. I think we need to have 
the water, the, 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 the times in the daytime, like television, prime time. We need that prime time as well, not after 12 o'clock. We don't need that. We want to be heard now so we can tell our story of how the Lovers Rock started. Because there is a start, but it's like they've, they've put their, they haven't gone from underneath the table, they've gone from on top of the roof and left out a lot of us. And it needs to be told the true story. You can't go forward like that no more. And it hurts me sometimes. I sit down and listen to people talking. I'm, I'm, I'm on a television at telly and I'm hearing certain people talk and I'm going, it didn't go like that. But if you're telling the whole world that that's how it went, they're going to believe that. You know, there's, there's, there's musicians in here today who knows what I'm talking about. They're sitting right in front of me, you know, the old timers like myself who have been there from day one. So we need to be heard. And if we can get prime time, that's all we need so we can tell our stories. I would say, Delroy Wilson, he, he was a very good friend of mine. I'm telling you, he was a, a I, I can't explain Delroy. He's just one of a kind as far as I'm concerned. I knew him as a friend in Obia and in Jamaica. He, he has stories, you can tell you. I think that was one of the first Jamaicans actually go on tour, if I'm right. You see, you see, I know, because I've done my, I've done my research. He's one of the first guys to go on tour. He had a spirit on him. You know, he had a spirit. Dennis Brown, most definitely. Pat Kelly, most definitely. Derek Harriet. Arthur Ellis. Yes. If we can get as much as Nelly, if we're staying here for a year, I'm okay. <laughs> All I can say that, you know, if you're going to come into the business, this is what I'm going to say first of all. Learn the business side of it. Learn the business side of it because a lot of us to this day still stuck with because we didn't learn the business side. Your PRS, you've got to do that. Because I've been actually fighting with someone now over a track what I wrote and he's saying that he wrote the track. And it's happening, this is 40 years on. As simple as you see it here because I didn't do what I should have done because I was so excited and getting all because of the music. It's the music what, what, what made it happen because you know, when you're young, and you play the music, you, you, you're not even thinking about the paper side of it. No. But that's the first thing you've got to do. And when you come to business, come to it humble. Take your time, because you've got to creep before you walk. And that's the main thing. You can't expect to jump in front of somebody else who's been there longer than you or, or try and bring them down. You just take your stage and you'll get the help of coming up. Because a lot of us is here. So anybody in the business who's coming up behind us, because when we're gone, that's it. Because our first generation here, we're the ones who started the Lovers Rock, and plus from Jamaica, we're all going slowly, and that's the truth. That, that ain't no joke, we're all going. So once that's over, we need the young ones to come up and continue what we are doing, keep the keep it going. All those lot of drummers going on now, but the Lovers Rock side of it, it needs to keep going, because it just can't just finish like that. That means all from Jamaica, what we learned from and got the vibe from, it will just disappear by water down the drain. We've been starved of, of, of our music going worldwide, because it's never been out there on a big scale, Lovers Rock. It's just breaking through now. There's still room for it to, to go up, but how, long, how much longer is it gonna take before we can say, yeah, Lovers Rock has actually hit the, the bubble? Because there's other groups out there now, you've got Spain, you've got Japanese, you've got Germany, actually doing Lovers Rock music, and they're making more out of it than we are. If you go to, I could, I could play you a CD, and if you listen to that scene, you would think it was Janet Kay, Carol Thompson, or one of us singing, there are Japanese singing Lovers Rock. And it sounded good. Very, very good. We've got Spain. So everybody's playing our music now. So it's, it's even harder for us to move further because the record shops, are, there's no hard no record shops. There's no big companies we're dealing with any, any of the artists then, or the, once upon a time, RCA, um, Island Records, CBS, they all had Lovers Rock groups. 
at one time, and just in that spot in that area for that year, then all of a sudden it died out. So where it's gonna go is very hard. If I make a, most of my colleagues have got some lovely songs, but where, where is it gonna go? There's no record songs, no one's buying it anymore. So I said to my friend the other day, I think we need to start looking at the young kids making songs what appeal to other generations for us to get anywhere, because the lovers rock is like, not dead, but it's like, it's like you go to the parties and go and do the shows, yes. And you know, you guys come out and support us every time, and without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do this as well. But you know, as far as the music is concerned, I'm not being downright about it and, and saying it's going to happen, but it's very, very hard for us now to put our songs out on the road. Very, very hard, because no one's buying it, you know? And downloads, <laughs> you know, how many downloads? 50 pence, 90 pence, how many downloads are you going to get before you make anything? So it showed me how, because of the, the situation, how the, the world is running and the technology, it's actually, it's a good thing, but it's wiping out other things along the way. It's just wiping it out. And when it comes to our music, I mean, pop music and soul music and some of the genres, yes, they can survive if, you, if you're up there already on your downloads and it can go out there. It depends on you know, what record companies you're with. But if you're not with a major record company, it's very, very, very hard for, for us to go forward. It's very hard. And, you know, we've got our music here and we've, we've been suffering from day one. It's not just, just now. Even in Jamaica, for them to, um, as I said, I was out there day to appreciate our music. They love our music, but love from music doesn't sell in Jamaica. It does not sell in Jamaica. They might know about it, but it, it doesn't sell in Jamaica. We will buy music from Jamaica from day one, Dennis Brown, from those days to come right back. But it just seems to kind of stay here and hover. Well, um, I'll put one on that. All the, the young ones who, who I know are coming up in the business, like Jay did, want to sing. There's quite a few of them come, come up into the business now. And what I try to do is, I try to, any shows coming, someone phones me and says, Paul, um, can I have um, that, that artist, for instance? It might be an artist who I know very well. I said, no, how about using this artist or using that girl artist? Because we've got to bring them up so that they can get that platform as well. So that's what I'm trying to do from my angle. Um, I know Leroy is doing the same thing as well. They've got talent shows where we try and bring up the young ones and to do what we're doing. Um, to try and influence them to, on the streets to come into our, into our genre is very hard because they've got so much different genres now where they're listening to every day and it's, it's, they're bombarding them with it. So that's their song, so it's very hard. My two grandsons, they listen to me on YouTube all the time. I say, look, do you want to do that? Because no, nah, grand, I ain't listening to that. And I'm trying to say, no, you, you need to be still, you know, that's kind of, granddad, nah, there's loads of other stuff. That's old people's music. <laughs> I said, okay. But I said, that's where you need to go. So it's very hard, it's a thin line between, if they come into it, then we can help them. They want to, they have to want to come into it before we can, we can't throw it on them because there's so many things out there right now distracting them as we know. It's very, very hard.